is that we learn on an ongoing basis more about the faith. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the 16th Psalm. Psalm 16 is our text for the morning. And you'll notice at the beginning of this psalm, we are told that it is a psalm of David. Listen, listen very attentively for the Spirit to speak to you through these words. David is praying, and this is what David says. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Church, would you pray with me? God, for the gift of this day, we give you thanks. We pray now, God, that as your spirit works within each one of us, we may be completely, completely present to you. We know that you're here in this place, and we pray, God, that we will be aware of your presence. I pray, God, that each one of us will be very sensitive and tender toward the presence of the living Christ here among us. Give each one of us ears, God, to hear what you're saying to us today. The world around us, oh God, desperately needs us to live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. May we be transformed more into his image because we are sharing this time together today. I pray, God, that you'll speak through the words of Scripture, allow these written words to become for us your living word among us. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Church, I probably don't have to spend much time this morning convincing you that at times life is difficult. Sometimes the journey becomes hard. One of the great paradoxes of living the Christian life is that we affirm on a constant basis that life is good because God is good, but at the same time we know just how difficult and painful life can be. Life can be a great struggle. 
Oftentimes, as the Bible says, the enemy can come among us, come into our lives like a flood, and the enemy can take the circumstances of our lives and push us even to the point of despair, sometimes push us beyond the point of despair to the point of almost wishing that our life on this earth would end. But we affirm, no matter what the circumstances of life are, we affirm that no matter what our emotions might be telling us, that life is good because God is good and God is good all the time. We know the promises of God's word and we know, regardless of circumstances or emotions, that there's never been one word of God's promise that's ever failed us. So we know those promises, we cling to those promises, and by cleaving to those promises, we can make the journey through life that at times is difficult. David, the one who wrote this psalm, had a specific call on his life. He was called, anointed, and called to be the new king of the people of Israel. But because that was the call on his life, he found life at times to be very difficult. You see, he was called by God, anointed by Samuel to be the new king, but there was a king that was already reigning among the people, Saul. So David had this call, this unique call on his life to take the throne and be the new king. And because of that call, because of that vocation, David had many, many, many very difficult moments in his life. We need to understand and perhaps be reminded every time we come together that God has a call on our lives. God has given each one of us our own unique vocation to live as a Christ follower in our circumstances, in the midst of our relationships. There's no other human being that can do the ministry to which you have been called by God to do. And God has called and gifted and equipped each one of us to a particular ministry in life, a particular calling in life. So how have you been doing fulfilling that call in your life? Baptism, you saw it happen a few moments ago, is what we call in the historic Christian tradition the general ordination of the laity. Baptism, in a sense, is an ordination. Baptism is where God claims us and ordains us with his spirit to live as a special, unique way in this world as Christ followers. Now, some of us may go beyond that to another kind of ordination. Some of us, like me, we're also ordained to word and order and sacrament in the life of the church. But that's my secondary ordination. We all receive our primary ordination in baptism. So how have you been doing with that ministry to which you have been called? Sometimes fulfilling God's calling on our lives can be difficult. It certainly was for King David. There were moments in his life of great ecstasy, but there also were moments in his life of great, great pain. I suspect if you look at this psalm closely, David penned and prayed this psalm at a point in his life where life had become very difficult. Not all the Psalms are written by David. Many of the Psalms are attributed to David. So we cannot help but wonder what the circumstances of David's life was when we look at any particular Psalm that David penned. We wonder what's the background of Psalm 16. Evidently, life is hard. Perhaps he's hiding in a cave. 
as the soldiers of Saul are hunting him to kill him because he's the new rebel king of the people. Perhaps it comes from later in his life when again he's hiding in a cave because his son Absalom, his adult son Absalom, is leading a rebellion against King David and wants to take the throne away from his father. We don't know exactly what the circumstances are, but we know that life is difficult for David at this point. This psalm, Psalm 16, is a psalm that we need to hold tightly on to because it is a psalm that we can pray, that we can return to when life becomes difficult, when the circumstances of life and our emotions within us conspire to pull us away from what we know to be the truth concerning God. This psalm is a great psalm of confidence in God. And confidence is just another way of saying faith in God. You notice that in this psalm, David begins with his petition. You know exactly what it is for which he's praying. And in verse 1, he simply says, Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Something's going on in his life. Something from which he needs protection. And he knows that he's going to find that protection as he flees to God, his refuge. He knows God as his defender. He knows God as the mighty tower into which he can run for security and for safety and for sustenance. So that's the petition, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And then from this point on in this wonderful psalm, David is offering declarations. David is saying things to God, perhaps really saying things to himself, to help him stir up within himself the confidence that he really has in God. Life is difficult, so he needs to say to himself certain things. Life is hard, so he needs to declare certain things to be truth, regardless of circumstances, regardless of emotions. So in verse 2, he makes that wonderful declaration. He says, I, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. He's making sure that he knows. He's making sure that God knows that he is taking God as his Lord. John Calvin one time said that we human beings have idol-making hearts. We are so prolific when it comes to creating idols, false gods, gods to whom we may bow and bend the knee at times. And we need to keep reminding ourselves, and this is part of what we do when we come to worship, we come to worship to remind ourselves that there's only one true and living God, and we come into this place to bow low before that one true and living God, because we need to be reminded we set up all these other gods in competition to the one true and living God. And sometimes we make gods of our emotions, we make gods of our circumstances. Rarely are we tempted to make gods out of the bad things in our life sometimes we are but usually it's the good things in life that we that we seek to make into idols patriotism is a wonderful thing but patriotism can become an idol family love is a wonderful thing but sometimes family love and paternal love can even become an idol and C.S. Lewis one time said if you take love and turn it into an idol it will become a demon and there's this wonderful story in The Great Divorce, wonderful vignette about these people who are in hell but are getting ready to go to heaven and check heaven out. None of them, by the way, decides to stay. And there's this one mother 
who goes from hell to heaven. And when she gets to heaven, she finds her son there in heaven. And she so loves her son that she tries to convince her son because of her great, great love for her son to get back on the bus and go to hell with her. That's not true love. Sometimes we can even take maternal, paternal love and make it an idol and at that point it becomes a demon. Sometimes we can take the stuff that we have in our lives and rather than us controlling the stuff, the material things in our life, the stuff, the material things begins to control us. Rather than our schedules and our calendars helping us to serve God the way we need to serve God in whatever vocation God has given us in this life, those calendars can become our gods. We know that idols or other gods are simply loves that are disordered. We're called to love a lot of things, love a lot of people in this life, but we have to keep everything in their proper order. And that's why we need to come into this place Sunday after Sunday to remind ourselves that God is our Lord. We don't want just a religious department in our lives. We want God to have lordship over every area of our lives. And that's what David says. After he prays to God for protection, he affirms that, that, that God is his Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and living God, the God of the Israelite people. He's saying, you and you alone are my God. And I refuse to bow before any other gods. Verse 3, he talks about the people of God. He has learned by this point in his life, whenever it is, to greatly appreciate the people of God. This is another reason we come together on the Lord's Day, because we need each other. We desperately need each other. That's part of what you saw in the baptism a few moments ago. We need each other for the course of our lives to help each other live as faithful Christ followers. Here David is reminding himself of the importance of the people of God in verse 3 says as for the holy ones in the land they are the noble in whom is all my delight I hope we delight in each other we need each other we need our sisters and brothers in Christ and then again he makes the affirmation concerning the other gods he says those who choose another God multiply their sorrows that's a message that the world today needs to hear. Those who choose other gods, they think they may be doing what culture wants them to do, but in essence, they're just multiplying their sorrows. And David says that he will not make an offering to these other gods. He will not take their name upon his lips. And then verse 5, he comes back to the declaration. And we need to learn the power of declarations. We need to learn how to say things strongly to ourselves and to others and to God, particularly in those moments of life when our circumstances and our emotions are conspiring to tear us down. Verse 5, David says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. He's saying that he's not going to worship creation. He's not going to worship creatures. He's going to worship the creator and the creator only, you are my portion, my cup, and my lot. As one of the great saints of the church one time said, God alone suffices. God alone is enough. In God we find all that we need. And then as soon as he says that, he starts thinking about this God who provides guidance for God's people. Verse 6 is interesting, and I encourage you to think about verse 6 and hold on to verse 6 when all of life is demanding that you refuse to believe this. Verse 6 says, 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. He's talking about the God who guides. And he's talking about how the boundary lines surrounding our lives put in place by the God who guides have fallen in pleasant places. Now, oftentimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes when God closes a door, when God hems us in, when God builds hedges around us to get us to go in certain paths, when God makes us say goodbye to one thing in order to say hello to another thing, those sometimes are very painful points in our life. But David, perhaps as he's sitting in a dark cave, hiding from his enemies, can say that, that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. God's guidance has been good, has been good. Now, I know oftentimes we can look back over our lives and we can see moments in our lives in retrospect that though hard, though painful, were good moments. We learned a lot. We ended up making ourselves the kind of people God would have us to be because of the difficulty in life. And even though God does not send all circumstances into our lives, there are bad circumstances, evil circumstances that come into our lives, our conviction is that God can use all circumstances to help us become the people that God is seeking for us to become. And sometimes we can look back over our lives and say we, we have felt the boundaries we have felt the doors closing, sometimes slamming in our faces. But all these boundary markers that God placed in our lives to get us to walk a certain path, I now know to be good. Life is difficult because life oftentimes is simply a series of losses. Oftentimes in life, we're consistently losing something in order to receive something new. Life, as we make our journey, we lose some health. We lose some independence. We lose some people from our lives that we love desperately. The list goes on. Our losses come in so many varied ways. And much of life is learning how to deal with losses and still be able to know and can confirm that God is good all the time that as some things pass out of our lives some new things pass into our lives oftentimes a lot of the the struggles of our lives come because of because of our expectations we all have expectations and a lot of our anger a lot of our remorse in life becomes because come to us because of our expectations we we just want everybody around us to do what we want them to do my wife occasionally reminds me that I, I think I could run the world if the world just let me. But the world just won't listen, will it? Sometimes we have expectations for the people around us, for circumstances in life. Sometimes we even have expectations for God. And God doesn't seem to meet our expectations. So as we make this journey through loss, as we make this journey through frustrated expectation after frustrated expectation, hopefully we still can declare, like David declared, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage, David says. David believed that. He probably was sitting in a dark cave fleeing from enemies, but he believed that. And he, he believed this, he proclaimed this, he declared this in spite whatever his emotions may have been telling him at the moment. And then he really gets into declaring. Look at verse 7 and following. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. 
Again, he's thanking God for these, for these boundaries that he knows to be good. He's thanking God for his counsel. He blesses God, and he says, In the night, this God who gives counsel, in the night also my heart instructs me. This God who gives guidance to us sometimes does it in the night. You know, there are times, and I don't know if you can relate, but there are times I really wish my heart would stop instructing me in the middle of the night. Sometimes my heart wakes me up, and I try to see that as a gift from God. I try to receive that as my heart or God instructing me in the middle of the night. You know, sometimes God needs to do this for us because we're too busy and too noisy during the day to hear God talking to us. So when you find yourself awakened in the night, remember this psalm. This may be your heart or God trying to instruct you in the middle of the night. Verse 8, I keep the Lord always before me. In other words, he says, I can be secure. I can rest secure because I always keep my focus. I keep the Lord always before me. One of my life verses is Isaiah 26, 3. And I memorized it in the old King James. In the old King James, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. In other words, God will keep that person in perfect peace whose mind is focused on God. But sometimes it's so easy to take our gaze off God and put it on the storms surrounding us. Sometimes our emotions call forth all of our attention. But David says, David says, I keep the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, he knows the constant companionship of God, he can declare, I shall not be moved. He knows where his security is found. We look for security in so many, sometimes bizarre places in life. David knows that God and God alone is enough, and it's in God and the promises of God in which he can find his security. So he declares... Verse 9, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you need to ask, what is it there for? Therefore, in light of everything he said to this point, he can make this declaration. My heart is glad and my soul rejoices. His body also rests secure. I'm sure that his heart and his soul and his body, they're all screaming something differently. But he says, therefore, I will declare. Contrary to circumstances or emotions, my heart is glad, my soul rejoices, my body also rests secure. And then in the last two concluding verses, he talks about two gifts that he knows God has given him. And these same two gifts are available to us. If we know this constant companionship of God, if we know that it is God to whom we look for security and for safety, for protection, if we know this, and if we worship God and God alone, then we too can receive these two gifts. In verse 10, he says that God, he knows, you might not feel it right now, but he knows that God wills life for him. God desires him to live. He says, verse 10, for you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. I think David at this point is beyond despair, almost to the spirit of death. And we all perhaps have been there from time to time when we thought it might be better if life would just end. But at this point, David is saying that he knows that God is willing life for him. For you do not give me up to Sheol. If you do not know what Sheol is, 
take my adult vacation Bible school class. We'll talk about that when we talk about the afterlife. Sheol, and you see it here in a parallel form, Sheol is the pit. Here in verse 10, Sheol is the place of the dead for the Hebrew believer. That's why he says, he feels this now, he knows this now. He says to God, you do not give me up to the place of the dead. You do not want me to go down to the pit or the grave. So he knows that God is giving him, is willing life for him. And then he says at the end, you show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He is declaring that God gives life and he leads us on a path that is a life-giving path. He's declaring that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. He is declaring that joy is an option for us and he's declaring that at the right hand of God there are pleasures forevermore. God is, is giving us gifts. His right hand is giving us gifts of pleasure forevermore. I hope you know God's constant companionship. I hope that you've made God and God alone the Lord of your life. Hope that you know how to access this gift of life in Christ. Hope that you know how to access not just joy, but the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. As your pastor, that's my deepest wish for each one of you. We're getting two new pastors this week that will come among us to help us grow together as a congregation. I know Clark well, I know Melissa well, and I know that is their heart's desire for all of us also, that we will know the constant companionship of the living God and can access the life and the joy that we find in him. Amen.